thanksgiving and praise. Thank you, Father. You know, I, that one worship song just really ministered to my heart. I didn't grow up with a good father, but I'm glad I have God who is the best father I could have ever asked for in my life. How many of y'all know he's a good God and he's a good father? You can be seated out there. We started a series on last week, The Blessing of Answered Prayer. I don't believe we should ever spend 21 days with God and never see results from it. Do you all agree with that? And so we know God's part is a finished work. It's complete. We just want to make sure that we're doing our part right. And so I decided to just read praise reports before each message. And if you have one, you can, if we're friends on Facebook, you can inbox me. If not, uh, you can send it in through our website. But listen to this one right here. It says, during the 21-day fast, God has blessed my family tremendously. My husband and I got married in 2010 when he moved to Georgia from Orlando, Florida. He has been looking for a job in the medical field for a long time. He had to work at jobs that didn't pay enough and not in the field of his degree. We struggled for a long time. Uh, but me and my wife, uh, we never, or, or me and my wife, I never talked down on him. I only prayed with him and for him in this struggle, our marriage grew stronger. How I many know that's a good wife right there? Never beat your husband down while he's going through. Pray him up. So congrats to you for standing by your man while he was struggling. says, I was blessed to help our family as much as I could, along with my dad's help. Some days we just wanted to give up and move back to Florida. Uh, the ending of last year, we were evicted, but God found a way for us to find another place before the eviction was processed. I can't even tell you all that we went through. Well, on January the 22nd this year, before we left to go out of town to Florida, my husband got a call from a place of employment uh, and was asked if he was interested in a position as a histotechologist. He has no experience in this field, but he had the college credits and degree. This is something he always wanted to do. He also had an interview prior for another position at my place of employment, but he never got a call back. All I can say is, but God. He went to his interview on the 25th of last month, January 25th, and was called the next day and, and uh, given an offer letter. My husband now makes double from his previous pay. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, we can give God glory for that. My husband now makes double from his previous pay. What a mighty God we serve. He will start on February the 8th, so that's this upcoming week. I'm just so elated and happy for my husband. Now that heavy burden has been lifted off of him and our family, I know this is only the beginning. I just want to thank God for the ram in the bush. Praise God. Praise God. That's a blessing. How I many that's a blessing to be able to make double what you were making prior to that? And so I rejoice with that family. I don't know your story, but I do know one of the best ways to get in line for a blessing in your life is to rejoice with someone else who is rejoicing. So let's just take a moment to just celebrate with that family. Father, we rejoice with that family. We're so happy for what you did in their lives. It's another demonstration of just how good you are and that you're a good father and you are good all the time. Praise God. We're looking at the blessing of answered prayer. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Let's look at our opening text. Then we'll go buy some things and pick up with where we left off on last week. The blessing of answered prayer. 
Uh, uh, this is the, really the scripture that God gave me as the foundation for prayer. And it reads this way. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Notice now. How many of you have to live in that zone that God is not condemning you? And if God is not condemning you, then we cannot condemn ourselves. And we definitely don't want to let other people condemn us. All right? He says, there is therefore now no condemnation, which means an adverse sentence or verdict. Whatever God said about you is what it is, regardless of what other people say. No one can bring an adverse verdict or sentence against what God has declared to be true for your life. So he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And here it is, who do not walk according to the flesh. And walk means to tread all around in, walk at large, to be occupied with. This is someone who has a lifestyle of going against God. And how many of you know that is very few believers? Very few believers have a lifestyle of going against God. I know that they're not in this building because you're at church today. And what the enemy always wants to make you do, you can have a great week, and the moment you do one thing wrong, then he wants to try to disqualify you for all that God has done for you. You got to learn how to not engage in that type of game. So don't let him condemn you. Don't let him do anything because you don't have a lifestyle of living outside of Christ Jesus, okay? He says, but according to the Spirit. And here's the key. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Notice, it made me free from the law of sin and death. And so we talked about on last week, believing is the first step. And confession seals the believing. So I have to believe first, but how many know I have to get my mouth lined up with what I believe? And we're going to get into that. It's such a key component to answered prayer. And if you can't consistently say what you're believing for, then it's better to not say anything at all until you can get your faith up to say only what it is that you're believing for. So believing and confessing, you'll learn our spiritual laws that create a supernatural result for the believer and the confessor. We looked at last week, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anytime you come to God, you must believe that he is. Whatever it is that you're coming to him about, you have to believe that he can deliver for you and that he can reward you. What I love about that text is God is a rewarder. He is not a punisher. God is not somewhere waiting to get you for a mistake that you made. Actually, he's just looking for the best opportunity to be a blessing in your life. And God uses his goodness even when we're wrong or we do something bad. He uses his goodness to draw us back to him. And we talked about that on last week. Again, there are natural laws of gravity, aerodynamics, life and death. There are also laws of the spirit according to what we just read in Romans chapter 8 verse 2. So there are spiritual guidelines and spiritual laws. Now, This perspective is different. What I'm not teaching you all today is something of merit where you have to follow steps and formulas in order to get God to do something for you. I mean, no, that never works. It never has worked and it never will work. What we're talking about here is really there are laws that govern prayer. Just like there are laws of aerodynamics, there's laws of gravity, there's spiritual laws that produce life, and there are uh, laws that produce death when we disobey God. Really what we're talking about is responding to things that are already in the earth by faith, and what they do is activate what God has already provided for us, okay? And so we're going to look at that. Seven spiritual laws of prayer. 
We talked about last week, number one, you must ask. How many of you know it's not spiritual to say, God knows what I need? Right? We've got to open up our mouths and ask. We looked at Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, because Christ taught us that we must ask. And it says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Focus here, point, for everyone who asks receives. How many of that qualifies everyone in this room? That every time I ask, I can receive something from God, which says to me, I don't want to spend time praying, not expecting to see what I prayed about. Right? And we can get in the habit of that, and it can just become routine and formula, and we can become very religious with that if we're not expecting to see what it is that we prayed about. John chapter 15, verse 7 is another key. said, if you abide in me, and now we're talking about a relationship here. He's talking about here, continue, endure, and remain. And we know one of the best ways to do that is by continually staying in the Word of God. But I saw something here that I didn't see before. It's actually twofold. I mean, we have to abide in the Word of God, but then there are times when God will speak to us, and we need to abide in that as well and treat that as just as much the written God, a written, written word of God, as anything else. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So that word, their words, is rhema, which means utterance or something spoken. So, I mean, everything won't be written. There'll be things as you're communicating and fellowshipping and communing with God that he'll speak to you. And when he speaks that to you, I mean, that's just as much the written word of God, and that needs to be obeyed as well. You know, there are times when, you know, especially in a marriage, uh, you didn't do anything wrong, and God will tell you to go apologize. I knew a lot of married couples wouldn't say amen on that one, right? But he's looking for you in that moment to be the bigger person, right, and demonstrate a greater, higher level of love even though in your heart you don't really think that you did anything wrong here. So, so if you abide in me and my words, my utterance, and anything that I've spoken to you, you can ask what you desire. Do you see that? And it'll be done for you. Now, how many know desires are different than needs? Now, I need you all to understand that's how good God is. He wants to give you not just the stuff that you need, but also the stuff that you desire. And it'll take faith for you to get your arms around that. Uh, the uh, driver picked me up today. We just recently leased a new vehicle for the church. And he, and he said something here. He said, this vehicle spoils me because I have to get out of it and get back in my Jetta. <laughs> and, and this is what I said to him. I said, God is allowing you to enjoy it for a little while because he knows it's something you desire. And if you'll just keep your heart right, I mean, it's in your future. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I know that's why you ride around and look at houses. That's why you go out to the mall and just look at stuff. That's why you look through magazines. That's why you find yourself on HGTV all the time, home and garden. Because you know you're going to have a home and a garden like that someday. Come on, somebody. And all it is is desires, listen to this, that God placed in your heart that he wants to come to pass. You didn't even put the desire in your heart. God put the desire there because he wants to see it come to pass. And any good father always wants to bless their children with what they desire. 
I threw another one in here that I didn't show you on last week. The heart of a father. The song to this morning just really confirmed it, that God is a good father. Go with me to Matthew chapter 7. I'll read this, then we'll pick up with all new information from here. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read verse 11. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. When you're there, uh, would you please say amen? All right, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says, If you then being evil. Now, evil here is referring to carnal or fleshly. And so, how many of you know we are all fleshly, right? Because we live in this flesh, but yet we do the best that we can, right? All of us do, especially if your father's in here. We do the best that we can. It says, if you then, being evil or carnal or fleshly, know how to give good gifts to your children, I'm going to go real slow here. Because when children know the heart of their father, they have no problem asking. My God, they have no problem asking. (laughs) And when they know that that relationship is intact and they've been abiding in what the father desires and requests of them, they know they've done their part. Seems like they have a tendency to ask for bigger things. Because they know the heart of their father. And that's interesting. Uh, Every time I study this, I'm learning how to be a better father based off of how God fathers me. So you all have heard me use this example before I read the rest of this text. You know, my daughter's 16th birthday is coming up, and she just, uh, she has her permit, and she starts her driver's training this month to get her license. And uh, as a father, you know, obviously, the way I grew up, you have a tendency that history will repeat itself. So, I bought my own first car. (laughs) And and been buying them all since then. So, your first tendency is to think, get a job, and based off of what kind of money you earn, that'll determine what kind of car you you drive. Then you kind of graduate from there to, well, if if I'm spending my money, then it's going to be some kind of used car a good starter car for them to learn how to drive in. Come on, dads, don't leave me out here by myself. Or more importantly, give them or let them drive one of the ones that we already have and get us a new one. Now, I can go on and on and on. So then I I say to her things like this. The Ford Focus is a very practical, nice vehicle. Chevy is coming out with a new Chevy Bolt. It's like the Volt that I had. You charge that up, and you get some hybrid gas technology, and you go for it. And so I went through my little spiel, and then I asked her, but what is it that you want? And she has it saved on her. Come on, you know, kid. It's saved on her computer screen. When we're driving in the car, there goes my baby right there. There's my baby. Where am I going with this? She knows the heart of her father. All right, and so then she says this particular car. Now, what was my, I'm carnal. See, I'm fleshly. What was my initial response? Girl, I have never owned a hard top convertible. What are you talking about? Then it dawned on me. Man, look how good God's been to me. 
Then I thought about it. The more I thought about it, I couldn't think of a reason why not to do it for. And so I'm telling you, I'm doing it. I'm pulling the trigger on it. I'm already making preparations. Been making preparations for 16 years. I mean, I knew she was going to want a car when she was born. I just thought I'd be able to squeak by with something a little cheaper than... Uh, but, but here's my point. Listen to what he said. If you, being evil, which simply means carnal, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? See, when I got a revelation of that, God would probably do better for than even I would. Y'all ain't ready for that. You didn't even catch what I just said. Did you all catch what I just said? So, so it, he clearly showed me whatever I'm willing to do. He's willing to do much more than that for me. He says, so how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who what? Ask him. How many know you can't get anything with your mouth closed? And closed mouths don't eat. Now, let's get into this today. Give me about 25 minutes of your undivided attention because this is, again, this is the most revelation God's ever given me on this subject. I'm learning how to be a better parent by really understanding how he fathers me. And so I have to think about anything I'm willing to do for my children, he's willing to do much more than that for me. All right. We use this word ask every single day, right? May I ask you a question? Uh, did you ask for directions? We ask our spouses, did they cook? Did they clean? Well, we use this word every single day, all day. But for some reason, when, we come, when it comes to God, we almost have this tendency to think that I, I, I don't have a right or I, I shouldn't go to God with this. Or for whatever reason, there's a reluctancy to go straight to the person that can help you the most with what it is that you need. For whatever reason that is. And sometimes it could be condemnation. It could be, you know, I'm more sin conscious than I am righteousness consciousness. It could be a lot of different things. But asking involves saying something, and you cannot ask with your mouth closed. And so while there are different forms of prayer, all prayer involves petitioning or asking God. And what I don't want to do today, again, I'm, I'm learning this by being a parent myself. I don't want to put a formula on, on a relationship. How I many know I don't stop to think about five steps to talk to my wife? I have a relationship with my wife, so I just go talk to her, right? And so sometimes, folks, you've got to really take out all of the rituals and just go straight to your father and have a nice conversation with him. There'll be other times I've learned throughout the course of my life where, you know, I, you know, I have to cry out to God. I'm, I'm going through something so intense that, I mean, I don't even have time to think about a formula. It's just like, hey, God, can you help me? Anybody ever been there before? And you've got to understand God is good with that, those two and everything in between because he's your father. I, don't, I would never want my children to stop outside of my door, think about whether or not they need to praise me first, come in there, blah, 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 blah. No, just come on in this throne room and get the help that you need. 
And when you know the heart of your father, that's his desire is that you come to him because nothing gives him greater joy than to help you. That's why answered prayer is such a blessing. Now, we're going to look at three examples today of people who came to God and were very specific about what they came to him for. Then you're going to see another example of there'll be times when something in your life is so big, you don't feel comfortable coming to God about that. Anybody ever been there before? And then the the horror, the mistake that we make is I'll handle this one on my own. And how many know we can't handle it on our own? And so sometimes we have to even ask God to help us where we can't even see whether or not he can do this. All right, go with me to Matthew chapter 20, the blessing of answered prayer. Matthew chapter 20, and let's begin reading at verse 29. Matthew chapter 20, and I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 29, says, Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men sitting by the road. And they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. How many of y'all know in their situation, they're crying out? You don't see a formula there, do you? They're in a desperate situation, and they're just saying, Have mercy on me. Just like people, what you've got to understand about people, then the multitude warned them that they should shut up, be quiet. Now, how many know a lot of times when you go to God, other people will tell you that's a waste of your time? And they do it in these forms. Why are you giving your money to that church? Why are you praying? Why are you going to that church? Why are you fasting? Why are you not? How many know they'll come in all kind of different forms? And what they're trying to do is stop the move of God in your life. But what I want to show you here is when people do that, when anytime you know in your heart what you're doing is right, When people come against it, you need to do it at a higher level. So then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. And they cried out the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. How many know you can never let the enemy's voice be louder than your voice? Oh, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. And I'm telling you, he's going to come to you and tell you what you can't do and what won't happen and what you won't get healed from. And you need to yell even louder what God's getting ready to do in your life. So Jesus stood still and called them. Notice he got Jesus' attention. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, see, I mean, that's like playing the lottery right there. You shouldn't pay the lottery. Now, let me survey my class. When it was a billion dollars, how many of y'all say, like, you got to be in it to win it, Pastor? You, 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 you can't win it if you're not in it, Pastor. Anybody willing to show their hand out there? You know some of y'all was out there buying 25 of them, boy. See a number on television. Oh, look at that combination right there. Oh, Jesus, get to work. Five numbers on your table. Oh, I mean, a prayer is more sure than the lottery. 
I have an auntie that plays in four different states. She still lives in an apartment. I'm 48 years old. I've been watching her my whole life. She still lives in an apartment and drives a used car. She hit probably 50 times throughout the course of her life, but nothing in comparison to what she gave the lottery. Wonder where she'd be had she put that in the kingdom. Just something to think about. So Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I want to go real slow here. You would think if you're looking at two blind men, right, it's clear what they want. Right? But he understood a principle here. You can't do anything if they're not willing to ask you. Why? Because asking means you believe he can do it. Oh, Jesus. Stay with me now. See, it's really, you, you give God something to latch on to because you're coming to him with confidence that you, he can do what you're coming to him about. Watch this now. So he asked them, what is it that you would have me to do? They said to him, very specific, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. Watch this. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Okay. couple of things I want to show you here. Whenever God answers a prayer, it should draw you closer to him, not further apart. See, for some of you all, had you hit that billion, I don't know where you'd be right now. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good, right? Anytime God blesses you, it should draw you closer to him, not further apart. Go to Matthew or Mark chapter 9. You all get anything out of this today? Mark chapter 9, the blessing of answered prayer. Mark chapter 9, let's begin reading at verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, All the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. Whenever it seizes him, throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But they could not. Watch this now. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long should I bear with you or put up with you? So I want you to understand the context here. The father said, I asked your disciples. They couldn't do it. Jesus said the problem was with the disciples believing. So... The disciples had a problem believing that Jesus or God could do that. Everybody clear? Which will also tell you then, we don't go to God about things that we don't believe he can do. Okay, let's keep going. It says, oh, faithless, non-trusting here, generation, how long shall I be with you and how long shall I Bear with you. Bring him to me. 
Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now, how many you know right there a lot of us would have checked out right there like, <laughs> like what's wrong with this guy? Am I right or wrong? Amen. Look how cool Jesus is. See, how many you know that the enemy will just do a lot of stuff, a lot of smoke screens, make a lot of noise? To try to get you not to believe. How I many know Peter was doing all right walking on that water until that wind became boisterous? So, what you've got to understand about your enemy, he's always going to make a lot of noise around what it is that you believe in God about. And look how cool Jesus is. Watch this. Convulse, and then watch this, foaming at the mouth. So, he asked his father, Watch this. How long has this been happening to him? How I many know that's real smooth right there? He's watching him foaming at the mouth, convulsing, you know, probably just all kind of stuff. And Jesus talking to the father like, how long has the boy been like that? I mean, because he already knows who's in control here. See, that's one sign of trusting. All hell can break loose around you and you'll still be cool as a nail. Now, I've been there. You might be shivering on the inside, but boy, outwardly, nobody can tell. How many know that's because you're trusting something greater than yourself? Watch this now. He asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from a child. And after he was thrown, uh, he's been thrown both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, watch this. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Well, who believes? What's left after all? Nothing. So guess what, folks? God can give us a building debt-free. And I don't have to perform that. All I have to do is believe that. Because all things are possible to him that what? Believes. My best friend sent me a video on yesterday, and they're getting ready to build, man, this mall. Man, they just got the anchor building for the mall in their town on the main thoroughfare in Jacksonville, Florida. And they had the drawings, the layout, getting ready to do the cafeteria, young adults ministry. I mean, everything that I'm seeing in my heart. And he sent that to me and said, man, boy, but we've got a, it's a big leap of faith for us, but we're trusting God. I sent him back, man, the God that I know by his abundant grace has already provided that for you. So now use your faith to go and get what he's already provided. He would not have brought you to this point to not deliver that all the way to the end. Then this is what I said to him because we're in that line. I said, I'll see you in two weeks, and I'm going to bring a gift from my church to sow into that. Only difference is the gift that I'm sowing is for us to pay cash because I'm not getting off of that. Come on, can anybody believe with me in here? I said, can anyone believe with me in here? Because if we can believe, then we're going to see this with our natural eyes. He told his father, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father, this is interesting here. Immediately, the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He cried out. And how many know that's okay? Well, what made him that way? Because he already saw that the disciples could not get the job done. And I bet he had been believing and trying on his own and getting no results. 
This just happened to me, folks, two, two weeks ago. You know, we were, we've got an international speaker coming in. I was sharing this with the Thursday night crowd. Uh, I mean, really, in my opinion, it's a gift to our church that he'd come to us after only being two years old. And uh, we got him lined up, booked. I mean, got everything pretty much done for the most part. We still got some contract things, different things to send. But the date is locked. And the date is on a night that we don't have a building. We can't use this one, and we can't use West End. Remember we're talking about abiding in the word, right? And then also abiding in the spoken word utterance as well. And so during the 21-day fast, I was like, God, the speaker is available, (laughs) but we have nowhere to put him. Everywhere we're researching costs $25,000, $30,000. I mean, you spend $25,000, $30,000 to get a facility, and then you got to give honorarium. How many of that kills the event? So I started saying, God, I know there's something out there for us. I'm going to tell you what he told me to do. He said, call someone that had already told me, no, we can never use it. This is already a done deal. Never ask for this facility on this night. <laughs> so, so how, we all go through our little checklist, don't we? Is this me? Is this the devil? Or is this God? Right? Anybody here, come on, willing to be honest. You all do the same thing. He's like, call and ask him. And then I'm going back and forth with God. He already said no. He already said it cannot be used on that particular night. What happened was, every time I go back to prayer, it come back up in my spirit. Now, can I just be real transparent with you all? I didn't call believing. I just called for God. Anybody ever been there before? Okay, all right, I'll call. But how many of y'all know that's no faith in that right there, is it? That's a true story. Because he'd already told me. This is already written out. I've already stood in front of a group of people. This is, you can't do this. I'm thinking, why would God say call him? I called him on a Friday, and he said, well, let me think about it, and I'll get back to you by Monday. I got to meet with the elders, and we got to go before the congregation. Let me see. Called me on Monday and said, you got the building at no additional charge. Come on, somebody ought to shout in this place, man. So, so, So listen, so listen. You go from something almost costing you $30,000 to zero listening to God. I don't know about you, but who wouldn't want to save $30,000? And notice this in an unconventional way. So what was God doing? He was helping my unbelief and further teaching me that all things are possible even when they look impossible even when you've been said no to, come on, somebody. Come on, even when it looks like the deal is off the table, come on, it can get back on the table. That's all he was teaching me. That's all he was teaching me. He was helping my unbelief and further demonstrating to me that all things are possible. So now, not only do we have a facility, it doesn't cost us a penny to use it. 
And this same person looked me in my eye and said, we could never use it, not on this particular. And then said, you can use it at no cost. Man, I wish I had five people in here, boy, that just, you ought to get in that line right there. Think about that, $30,000, what that night would have cost us. Now it costs nothing listening to God. So now let me show you something here, okay, because this is going to be your challenge in prayer, all right? So the, the father went to the disciples and asked, didn't he? They couldn't get any results. Jesus said the issue was they didn't believe, right? The father goes to Jesus, and he says to, uh, to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. And how many of you can be there on a lot of different issues where you're vacillating? You believe one day. Come on, church, let's just be honest in here. Faith is real high one day. I don't know if God's going to do this the next day. And what I want to show you, the heart of your father, he'll help you on those down days. Come on, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. Come on, he'll, he'll bring you up just like he did me. How I many know I'm going through something as a leader? We got this guy. We got the date and nowhere to put him. Man of faith, Pastor Gregory. How are you going to invite somebody to come and don't have a building to put them in when they, how I many know the enemy will get all in your head, say all kind of stuff? I mean, and it'd be all day, every day. As soon as you stop for a moment and stop thinking, why would you invite him and didn't have a place to put him in the first place? Who does stuff like that? What kind of leader are you? Why don't you just tell him you're not ready for him? He'll help you in those moments. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? I'm getting ready to prophesy to somebody. You, you've got something so big in your future. And you're not waiting on God. God is just waiting to get your believing up to the point where it matches what it is that you're seeing. Oh, do you believe that today? Okay, watch this now. Watch this. I'm going to show you what the issue was here. I've had this wrong for probably 25 years of my life because I did not have the understanding of the grace message. So I've read this and interpreted this wrong most of my life. Okay, watch this. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly. So, so notice his last little act. I mean, sometimes what you're believing for can actually get worse before it gets better. And if you don't learn how to stay cool, you'll never get to the other side of the better because you start looking at all of the extra that came along. Sometimes, folks, when it's at its toughest moment, when it looks like and feels like and seems like you cannot go any further, the next day you wake up is the day that that thing's getting ready to manifest in your life. Enemy is always going to make that one last ditch effort to stop you from believing. And cancel out what it is God's trying to do in your life. So notice, he starts convulsing greatly, which means more than he did the previous time. But then watch this. He came out of him. And he became as one dead. I wanna, wanna, what I want to teach you all here. Sometimes, again, it'll look like you got it, but then it's just not manifesting. You ever been there where you get right to the deal? Right to the closing table? 
and then another issue pops up. So the deal is right there, but now it's starting to look like it's dead. I'm just trying to show you all the levels that the enemy will go through to try to stop you from believing. Anybody ever been there? Again, you all know our story. On December, whatever it was, 13, we don't have a building. And I told you all, I didn't lie to you. I said it by faith. I said, we will open up on January the 4th, 2014. I didn't lie to you. But I'm telling you, we had nothing when I said that to you. This thing looks dead. But God. I'm glad he has resurrection power, folks. So I want to show you something. I had a choice right there in that moment to either stop believing and just say, you know what? I did my best. Or keep believing and watch God do a miracle. Y'all getting anything out of this today? It's going to help you, okay? Everything is not the way it seems. Sometimes life will allow you to go two steps backwards, seemingly. But you're actually getting ready to get thrust five steps forward. It just depends on your attitude. You didn't catch that. If you personalize everything, you can't go forward. If you start right there, why did, would he let, why would he, I came to him believing, now my son is dead. Why did God allow him to die? That's why I'm going real slow because, how I many you know, this is human nature. We all go through this. So much in this story. But Jesus, see, the boy looks like he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Watch this. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said, this kind come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So let me tell you the error I've made for many years. I thought in order to cast out wicked spirits, you needed to fast and pray. That wasn't the context here. When you, you need to fast and pray to uproot unbelief. Did you all catch that? See, we think it's to cast out spirits. No, it's to deal with your unbelief. So when you're fasting and praying, what you're trying to do is build your belief for what it is that you know God can do in your life. Isn't that good? So, so you see what he told them? He says, guys, you can only get to this level by building up your faith. Isn't that good? We'll close right here. There's a spiritual principle throughout the Bible that God does nothing. How many of y'all have ever heard that? To meet the need for a believer on earth until he is first asked. How many of y'all have ever heard that before? That is a true statement. God does nothing in the earth unless a believer in the earth asks him. Now, I've taken the time to take you through all of this because the blessing of answered prayer is that you really can come to God about anything, and he'll do it for you. 
Let me show you some examples of this as I close. I won't read these stories. I'll just share them with you. You go back and read them uh, as a homework assignment. You all remember when God spared Lot because Abraham petitioned God on Lot's behalf? I believe that's in Genesis chapter 18 uh, where God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot said, no, God, if there are 50 righteous people in that city, would you spare it? He asked God that. God said, I'll spare it if there are 50 righteous. He said, well, what about if there are 40 righteous? God said, I'll spare it. And this went on all the way down to 10. He said, there are 10 righteous people in this city. I'll spare it. Wasn't even 10 righteous people in the city. So God had to destroy it, but he spared Lot. What's my point here, though? He was willing to do it because Abraham asked. In Exodus chapter 32, you all might recall King Hezekiah had been given a death sentence. And he went to God and he asked God if he could live longer. Because he asked God, God granted him 15 more years. I've seen this in my personal family from my mother who was a Catholic. She was really scheduled to be dead in her 30s. And I saw her, I'm in the hospital, I'm a high school student, junior in high school, I'm taking care of the entire house, working two jobs, paying all the bills, because she was not, she was sick for over a year. So I pretty much lived by myself my entire junior year of high school, worked two jobs, paid all the bills, would get her check, deposit her check, write out all the bills in the hospital. And I can remember hearing her as a 16, 17-year-old kid saying, God, just allow me to live to see my grandkids. And it's interesting that my brother had two and I had two. And probably when my daughter uh, turned three, my mother left this planet. But I watched God grant her her request, which was to see her grandkids. God gave Hezekiah 15 more years because Hezekiah asked. You'll find in Isaiah Chapter 38, well, let me save some time. Hezekiah was in Isaiah chapter 38. Uh, You'll see two different stories. Let me share this one as well. Uh, You all recall when Peter was in prison with plans of execution the next day. So, in other words, Peter is going to be killed the next day uh, following the Passover. And the church did not cease to pray for Peter. This is in Acts chapter 12, which means that they prayed continually around the clock. Watch this now. God released an angel of the Lord. You all might recall Peter was in prison. And an angel came and unlocked, opened up all the doors, opened up the gate to the city. Show you the, the way people are. The, the very people that were praying for Peter to get out of jail and his life to be spared, when Peter knocked on the, on the door, said it's a ghost. So, so I'm only showing you this, and again, if I would have taken time to read all this, show you all this in the script. Sometimes you can actually pray for things that you really don't even believe. But God will do it to help bring up your unbelief. Right, think about it. They're praying around the clock. 
God sends an angel, unlocks it, gets him out, opens the gate to the city. Peter goes to the house where they're praying, and they run from the door. Say it's a ghost. Everybody understand? God has, doesn't have a problem helping where your belief needs to be brought up. I want to show you the character of God. Sometimes he'll do it for you just to show you who he is. And what it should do is strengthen your faith and take you to the next level. All right. So the first law of prayer is this. Praying means to ask or to form words from your heart and speak them as a petition or a request before God. You can either speak them or you can write them out. But when you know the heart and the character of your father, how many know you're going to go to him with confidence, knowing that what you're going to him about, grace tells you it's already done. And what faith does is brings into reality what God has already done. Never make this about performance. Never go to God on merit. I tithe. I serve. I do this. I do that. Because what you're doing is canceling out grace when you do it. All right? You want to go to God based off of what he did and what Jesus did and how good they are and how great they are. And when you ask him, ask him with that understanding of who he is, how great he is, and all that he's done in your life and thank him for those things that you're believing God for to come to pass. You all see the difference there? All right, I'm just going to stop right there for today. Next week, we're going to talk about asking in Jesus' name. What does that mean? Because I, I just learned it, so I know a lot, a lot of times we think that's just a magic wand in Jesus' name. And it's going to automatically make that prayer come to pass. Actually, what you're going to learn, folks, is really a part of the grace message. You have to go to God based off of what Jesus did, not what you did. And all the focus has to be on his finished work and not your finished work. And it's going to bless you real good. And we're going to show you, I'm going to show you that this principle was true in the Old Testament. And all Jesus and his priestly ministry is doing is fulfilling what was already there. So I'm actually going to even show you grace in the Old Testament, how it was a precursor. And it was actually pointing us to what we live in right now. There's no other age I want to live in than right now. It's the best time in the world to be alive. All right. I'll close with this statement. God has something good in your future. I'll back it up with this statement. God wants to do the impossible in your life. I'll back that one up with this statement. God wants to take you places that you've never been. Show you things that you've never seen. And do things for you that you've never done. Hallelujah. 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 Say, Father God, I believe, but help me when I don't believe. He'll do it for you every single time. I want you to think about it now. I called someone for God just because he told me to.
okay, I'll do it. I mean, I'm not calling believing, and God can see that. But what did he do? He helped my unbelief. He's a good father. Come on, any parents in here, when, when your kids are struggling, you're not getting ready to make it worse on them. You're getting ready to help them in the areas where they're weak. Come on, church. See, our perception of God has been all wrong. He's not mad at you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Let's lift our hands to him right now and just thank him for being so good. God, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. God, I am so honored to be called your son and so honored to have you as my father. I'm so comforted, comforted knowing you love me more than anything else in this world. And, Father, your love for me just consoles me and encourages me that you are on my side. Regardless of what the enemy may throw my way, God, I know that you have something bright in my future. And so, Father, I declare that I'll stay the course and I'll do what it is that you've called me to do the way that you've called me to do it. Even at times, Father, when I want to get ahead of you, help me to stay behind you and stay with you and never get ahead of you. You're continuing to show me how to pastor in unconventional ways. And so, Father, help me to stay on that course, Father. May I not become someone that just mimics other people. But, Father, let this be organic, Father, so that you can be the most glorified. Father, I want this to be a ministry that no man could ever take credit for. All we'll ever be able to do is say, God did it for us. Father, that is my commitment before you and these people today. It's to not rely on myself, but to only rely on you. I help that spirit grow in this church. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you would, look up here at me for a moment. I don't know your story. Only thing I know is God is good. And I know he loves you regardless of what your situation or position is in life.